Welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily, a disappointing loss to the Brooklyn Nets for the Sixers. We'll jump into that, plus some more news on the Ben Simmons front. Uh, that's coming up on this episode. But before I jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And of course, check out libertyballers.com for all your Sixers needs. Joining me for this one, Sean Kennedy. Sean, looking at that game, everything went right for like the first three and a half quarters. And then Brooklyn goes on a 16-1 run to end the game, ends up defeating the Sixers 114-109. What were you thinking over the last four or five minutes, and especially at the end there, when you realize that they're going to blow this one? I was thinking in a lot of ways, it's the same old problems they've had for a couple of years now. Uh, they Ever since Jimmy Butler left, they just don't have that closer. And Joel Embiid, you know, he's an amazing player, but whether it's he gets tired at the end of games or he's dealing with one injury or another and Tonight, it was the knee, which was clearly bothering him. He went to the locker room during the game at, towards the end of the first half. Uh, as, as the game wore on, he, he just looked less and less right out there on the court. Um, but he, he just doesn't seem to be able to be the go-to guy in the final minutes of the game just because he's carrying such a, a heavy load uh, earlier in the game. And then they don't have a, a real second option. Like Seth Curry had a, had a great game tonight, but he's not a guy with the chips – chips are down in the last few minutes of the game. Defense is locked in. It's really hard for him to create his own shot. Um, so, so what you're left with is like Danny green pulling up and airballing threes in back-to-back possessions. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's kind of the same old issues and you're, you're new to this. So this, this is really your, uh, baptism to a Sixers late game <laughs> collapse. Uh, so what were your, what were your thoughts as, as it was going down? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that's where, <laughs> that's where I was looking at it and being like, okay, Number one, obviously, the Danny Green, the air balls were like, come on, dude, you know, at least hit the rim. But <laughs> it's easy for me to say. But I think the other thing is, too, the, the lack of creation off the top, right? You saw that at the end. They were failing to, other than, you know, Joel tried that one where he was swarmed and he ended up missing it where he, he drove to the bucket. And then he had the other one where Tobias Harris tried one. You know, the defender came over and helped. He ended up missing that shot. So I was looking at it like, damn, you know, the lack of creation and the lack of really getting into the paint killed him at the end because, Sure, you don't make a field goal over the last five, five and a half minutes, but, you know, they got to the line that one time. Seth went one for two, which basically kind of was the end of the end of the night there. But I was watching that and just thinking they got to get somebody who's going to be able to break down the defenses, whether they're running a, a pick and roll with Maxi and Joel, whether they're trying to run a, a better way to isolate Joel, where the double team ain't coming quickly. And this has been a hallmark for Doc Rivers for a long time, right? I mean, he just, the adjustments, lack of them, that, that was frustrating for me to see. I thought defensively, The Sixers were great throughout the game. Obviously, want to do a little better job on LaMarcus Aldridge. But um, offensively, yeah, the the end of the game, they just couldn't get anything near the basket, weren't getting to the line. And to me, I thought Doc, you know, he had those two timeouts. Uh, The report is that when Danny Green took that charge off, off KD, that his replay guy, personal replay guy, said that, he had given him the thumbs down that not to bother challenging it. But still, you'd like to see a coach maybe take a timeout to draw up a go-to play to get an open look at that point. Yeah, not a stellar back end of the fourth quarter for Doc Rivers, and it, it seems to happen more often than not. And we now have over a year's worth of evidence of Doc being the Sixers coach, and I think fans are becoming increasingly frustrated with it. But yeah, he's he's not drawing up good plays. I, I would have liked to see a little more Maxi, as you mentioned. Like heck, throw throw Corkmoss out there. He's he's one of the only guys on the team that seems to be able to create off the dribble at all right now. Like give, give him a shot, you know, with three four minutes left in the game, and and see if that can that can work. Um, yeah, but 
if you're if you're watching the game as a coach and I don't care if your replay guy gives you the thumbs down if you know there's 57 seconds left or whatever it was and it's a pivotal possession where it's either Brooklyn has the ball down to or you have the ball up to uh I, I feel like you just kind of have to overrule them I I feel like to the everyone watching at home and the 20,000 plus people in the stands that that looked like a charge so I don't I don't know how you ignore that and there was a couple other calls that uh it seemed like he could have been challenge worthy there were even even like Joel fouling LaMarcus Aldridge uh with 30 to 40 seconds left in the game yeah you might not get it but what else, what are you saving that challenge for maybe it it, it kind of looked like Joel might not have fouled him like that's that mm-hmm. could be a point you save and then suddenly you're down two instead of three you don't have to manufacture a three-point shot or Brooklyn can't intentionally foul Seth uh to send them to the line when you're down three, um, that, that changes the calculus of everything. Like, I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem like doc is, he, he's kind of playing checkers when he needs to be playing chess in these last few minutes of these games. Yeah. What, what, what was he saving the timeouts for? That's what I'm just like, what, what were you, what were you waiting for? I understand keeping the one for a late game, you know, in case something happens there, but you had two timeouts. Like, what are you waiting for on the challenge too? And I thought that watching watching the game and again like i said this has been a staple of doc rivers over the last 10 years you know anywhere he goes coaching issues have plagued him and and so when you're looking at this like and again i don't want to act like the sky's falling because it's not it's game number two and they did a lot of good things but like you mentioned at the end of the game like this is somewhere where i'm watching i'm like damn they can just get somebody who can create off the top they probably win that game with another two or three points you know what i mean and it's crappy that they they couldn't get it uh one more thing i wanted to bring up with you as well is the offensive rebounding. They gave up 11 to to the Nets. What do you think they could be doing differently? Is it just because they have to go smaller? They're basically going with with one big and and four semi, you know, wings and 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 guards with Maxi and Curry. But uh, is that something you're going to look for that might have to change going forward, like in terms of the offensive rebounding and giving up that many? I don't think that's really a systemic problem for the team. I, th- I think Brooklyn just has a lot of... A, they take a lot of outside shots, so that's going to lend itself to a lot of long rebounds. Um, Brooklyn, Brooklyn has has their stars, but they surround them with a lot of like activity guys, guys that are just out there, like the Javon Carters of the world, the Bruce Brown, and and um, so on. Like Nick Claxton, a super athletic guy who they just say, "Hey, your job is to rim run and try to get every loose ball you can." Like they just have a lot of those types of guys. So I think I think it was just a combination of those things. And, you know, these, these kind of nights happen that you have these outlier nights where you, you give up a decent amount of rebounds. Um, I, I feel like, the, you know, Tobias generally does a, a better job on the glass. He, in the opener against the Pelicans, he, he'd had a really good rebounding performance. And between Joel and Andre Drummond, they're both very good rebounders in the pivot. I, I, don't, I don't expect that to really be an issue. That's, that's not something I'm overly worried about. Yeah, they were they, looking at the the lineup. So that that Doc was using. What do you think of the rotations so far? Do is do you think Isaiah Joe should be maybe getting a little bit more run? I think Seth Curry has been very very good throughout the you know throughout the season. It's only two games in, but he was on fire. He shot nine to twelve, uh, finished with twenty three points. I like what Tobias Harris was doing in terms of his aggression. But is there anybody else you might want to see get some run, or are you happy with how Doc has kind of played the guys so far? No, I think it's the right. I don't know what else you would do. Like he, he gave Joe some rotation minutes in the opener and he didn't look overly ready. Um, and, and that's fine. Like he, I think Joe still deserves minutes going forward. And, you know, he, I, I feel like he'll do better. He had a very good preseason, very good uh, summer, summer league performance. So 
I think I think everything's clicking. I think the the starters are, you know, have been looking good, and and the bench unit has been a lot better than expected. I, I wrote about that this week for LibertyBallers.com, um, and Corkmoss at the point, which that would be the one thing you would kind of point to, like, oh, I, I don't really know about that going in, but that looks really good. Mm-hmm. Like, he he's been creating for himself. Him and him and Andre Jumman have a, had a very good two man pick and roll game tonight. Um, it, they had uh, Nick Claxton was constantly worried about like, oh, should I move over and stop Corkmoss on the drive, or I have to worry about Drummond getting the lob? Like, it, w- it was a really good action they had working. And then Corkmoss has also been, you know, making the right reads and kicking it out to the shooters. Like Niang has had a, a few really good open looks in the first two games that Corkmoss has set him up on. Um, I, yeah, I, th- I think I think the rotation itself has been fine. Um, I, I don't I don't know. There's not like. I guess Paul Reed would be the one wild card. People could say like, Hey, give Paul Reed a little more of a look, but yeah, I, I feel like all the pieces have been working. And aside from just a total collapse in the last five minutes of the game tonight, like I, I don't really have any complaints about the rotation. Yeah. I, that, you know, I'm looking at it too. And I'm like, they've done a lot of, a lot of good things. You know, look at that fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter in new Orleans and the first three and a half quarters of this one. And you know, it, to me, and that was the part when I was, I've been trying to watch for that, especially over the first two games is what are they going to do without a prototypical ball handler point guard? And a lot of it is whoever has it, just push the ball up the court. You know what I mean? And they're comfortable obviously yeah. with Joe doing it. They're comfortable with, with, you know, any of the other four guys that are out there with them doing it as well. And so you're watching that. And then I think at the end of the game, they got away from trying to push the pace and just get the ball up the court and then, you know, run your sets from there. What I found is at the end of the game, it was let's walk it up. And, and they were playing a lot of ISO ball. So what adjustments do you want to see Doc make uh, over the few, you know, upcoming few games that we have here? Yeah, that's that's you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with what the problem was in, in the post game, Doc you know, said, Hey, the ball, he, he uses the term. We got too sticky. He says that a lot, which just meaning they're not moving the ball, swinging it quickly. That's just holding it in one, like a lot of, and Joel or Tobias just has the the ball in their hand, kind of trying to set up an ISO. Um, So yeah, I, you know, draw up some plays, run, get into a, a dribble handoff action earlier in the shot clock so that if it doesn't work right away, there's not six seconds left. And suddenly Joel just has to fire up a 15 footer, Um, you know, do, do the illegal step two feet out on the court, even though you're not allowed to be on the court as a coach and start windmilling your arms to tell them to get push the ball up court and get it up there faster. Um, I, I just draw. I, yeah. He, I don't know exactly what he needs to do. I he's, he's the coach. He, he has, he has the plays in, in his playbook. Like it, it can't be, Hey, walk it up court. Joel fights for position. He has the ball. Finally, with like 11 seconds left on the shot clock, he gets it. And after like, five to six seconds of jockeying his man and trying to back him down. Like all he can do is turn around and shoot a fadeaway with like five seconds left on the shot clock. Cause that's, that's kind of what it, it falls to a lot. And that's just not going to cut it when you're against a good team and they're locked in. And the other part is just, you have to get stops and getting stops lends itself to transition opportunities. And, you know, Brooklyn towards the end of the game started, started getting better looks and, and making their making their shots and getting those offensive rebounds you talked about. Um, and, you know, if they're, if they're putting the ball through the hoop and you're taking it out under the basket, you're not going to be able to push the ball as well as you would if you're getting those stops. 
Yeah, and, and like I said, they've they've played pretty pretty damn well overall. And yeah, it's a crappy collapse. You know, like you said, we've seen this movie before, but ultimately, it's like it's game number two. I'm not gonna you know look at this and be like the sky is falling and they need to make a panic trade. Like you know, I, I think ultimately in the bigger scheme of things, they're doing a lot of things right, but there is still many things they need to clean up. Uh, there was some news on the Ben Simmons front. Let's jump into that after a short break. All right, we're back, uh, Sean. The big news of the day really involving the Sixers, other than the epic collapse that we saw here in, in the loss to Brooklyn, was Ben Simmons showed up, uh, ended up talking to Doc Rivers, talked to the medical staff, talked to, you know, the Sixers front office and and, and had some time with his teammates, too. Um, you know, the what the reports are that we're getting from multiple outlets, obviously, the, the, the big name insiders that we're all used to is that. Ben is dealing with some mental health stuff. And he told the guys that, you know, and Joel Embiid, you know, spoke about this before the game with Cassidy Hubbard on, on the ESPN broadcast. And then uh, Joel also said it while he was addressing the fans that, Hey, um, you know, we got to support Ben Simmons and our teammate. And, and so what, how did, did this change how you think this is going to play out at all that at the very least And Tobias Harris um, had a, had a great quote at the end, basically saying, Hey, we got to support him as a human being first. And I don't know how much this ties into what Ramona Shelburne of ESPN reported earlier in the week about some stuff going on in Ben's family. So when you, when you heard of today's developments, which obviously it's been a, a roller coaster, especially over the last week or so, uh, what did you, what did this change your outlook on things at all with, with what happened with Ben on, on Friday? Yeah, I think it, it did. I think it was a, a positive step in the right direction in terms of maybe Ben could retake the court with the team at some point. Um, in in the future of this season, I, I think two days ago, the, 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 the discussions between the sides were so acrimonious that I, I didn't see that happening at all. And I feel like cynically, when, when this stuff comes out, your first reaction is like, well, if this was really the issue, why did you come up with a half dozen other reasons mm -hmm. prior to this? But Judging by what Joel and Tobias both said, it seems like Ben, whatever discuss the discussion was with the team, it seems like it was very sincere. Tobias was very, very impassioned in the post game, and and Joel saying that in front of the fans, like post game, very publicly says, "I don't care about that man." And now, now he's saying that's our brother and our teammate, and we have to support him. That's a pretty drastic swing in his. Uh, his overall feelings about Ben in just a couple of days. So I feel like whatever was said uh, came across as sincere to his teammates. And if nothing else, I feel like things will be on a more stable footing moving forward. I don't think we're going to be hearing the reports like we might have like, Oh, Ben is acting up again and the Sixers are suspending him. He's, he hasn't made any money. He's getting fined every day. I, I think those are kind of in the past. I think the, the two sides have reached you know, and maybe an unspoken agreement, like, all right, you, you know, you can deal with whatever mental health issues are going on, you know, get, get whatever help and counseling you might need and you will get your paychecks. So you'll be happy in that regard. And then that this distraction over the team can kind of just go back on the back burner for a little bit. And the teammates, your teammates can go back to concentrating on basketball and uh, maybe, maybe it does all work out and, because they haven't been sniping at each other, these two sides, like he does come back in a, in a month or so, and uh, they can they can move forward with Ben, the basketball player, and trying to, to make a trade from that position rather than Ben, the, the guy who's in Los Angeles or 
or been the guy who's acting up in practice and getting kicked out of practice because he refuses to do defensive drills. So I, I think it was definitely a positive step, um, not only for potential to trade him down the road or potential for him to retake the court, but just in the, the, the overall feelings between him and the his teammates and the coaching staff. Yeah, like Joel and and Toby were super vocal about it, you know, and, and and the way they talked about it, like you mentioned, it seemed like obviously they're taking whatever it is that he said to them pretty sincerely. And and the way Joel, you know, in front of everybody, again, you know, the fans booed when they showed Ben during the, the pregame, the video uh, sequence that they show on the on the big uh, the scoreboard, basically on the big screen. And then with with Joel, you know, saying, hey, support Ben Simmons. It's basically like, all right. You know, they seem like whatever, maybe personal issues if they had those again i'm not going to say that but if they had anything you know personal between them they were at least able to maybe bury that hatchet and we'll see what happens going forward now and and daryl morey said it during his radio hit on thursday that hey you know this buckle in this could take a long time and and i think that this was before friday's events transpired with with ben and i think we're still going to have that kind of stuff going forward where if ben might sit out a month if if that's the case you know at least I think there's kind of a resolution to it. And I think you hit the nail on the head there that they're going to be able to kind of focus on basketball without the side distraction, knowing what is transpired on Friday that, Hey, you know what? Ben's going to be away from the team. He needs to deal with this stuff, but we're going to, you know, we're going to keep on kind of keeping this thing moving and, and focus on winning games. But do you think like what happened today? Do you think that increases the chances now that we see Ben back in uniform at some point this season? Yeah, uh, I mean, at least for the Sixers, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what I meant uh, yeah, for for the Sixers, right? Yeah, because if if the two sides were going at it so combatively, then I, don't, I didn't see a scenario where where he would have uh, t- taken the court with the Sixers. Like, y- you can't have a guy who refuses to do simple drills in practice and it's getting kicked out. You can't throw him out on the court in a, in a real game like that. Mm-hmm that's like a slap in the face to the rest of the team that that they would just lose all respect. Like, well, why should I fall in line? Why should I be, if if I'm doing everything I can to, to better the the team and put ourselves in in a position to succeed, this guy is, isn't even, you know, he's not even doing the bare minimum. Like that's not something that you can really have, have, have happening as as a coach. So I, I didn't see that scenario playing out, but yeah, if you have a guy who, you know, seemed to, apologize and he he told the guys that he he needs to take personal accountability like that's that's a different position to to come th- to come from and with Ben you know doing that those things and if he can step away for a while and and you know get in a better mindset to uh to get back to being the the player that we've seen him be in the past then I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to retake the court especially if he has the support of his teammates and especially the, the veteran leaders on the team, like, like Joel and Toby. Um, yeah. I, I think the, the odds of that happening have definitely gone up. All right, John, I'll open up this can of worms to wrap things up here. If Ben Simmons in uniform today, do the Sixers win? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, he, he would have been helpful against Kevin Durant and James Harden who, you know, Durant had a triple double in the third quarter and uh, you know, Harden had, had over 20 and, you know, helped in a lot of ways. Like I, I think he would have been the difference in a few possessions, um, which that, that could have been all it took to, to swing the outcome. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I don't know, maybe they, they don't hit quite as many threes 
in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it depends <laughs> in the starting lineup. So you can always uh, play devil's advocate in that regard. But uh, yeah, I mean, this this has been Joel's refrain ever since the trade request was first announced. Like he said, listen, I, I want to I want to win basketball games and Ben being on the team will help us win basketball games. So I have no problem with him returning because that's that's what's going to help us win. So it's it's the same scenario, like whatever the drama and the off court stuff that's been going on, you could be sick of it. But Ben Simmons on the court will help you win basketball games. You know, if nothing else, he's he's the the filtering down of minutes and you're, you're replacing Isaiah Joe minutes with Ben Simmons minutes like that. That has to be an upgrade. Like there's no two ways about it. Yeah, uh, you know, again, I, th- I think that, you know, and, and Joel acknowledged that after the game, and I'll, I'll read a quote from him. He said, that's the first step. It's a start. It was good to hear from him. We are better with him. I wouldn't mind playing with him. So it looks like they're, after all of this for the last four months, it looks like there is a way that we could see Ben Simmons back in a Sixers uniform. But like I said, I don't think we should hold our breath for, for anything happening, at least in the coming weeks. Uh, that'll wrap up this episode. Sean, thanks for coming on. And we're looking forward to you being back on next week with the, with the talking about podcast for sure. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, having me on jazz. And I just want to say, yeah, it, the sky isn't falling because mm-hmm. of this loss, but I, I feel like the, the same leaky skylight is still up there and they haven't gotten it fixed. And, uh, J- Jimmy Butler left. And ever since then, there's just, there's just been a leaky skylight and, and they got to get that fixed at some point. So maybe the Ben Simmons trade could eventually do that, but yeah, it's the same old problems here in Sixers land. All right, John, that's a perfect synopsis. Thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for putting that nice bow on that episode. Uh, before we wrap up, don't forget, like I mentioned off the top, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers podcast network. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts, you name it. We are there. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. <laughs>